Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. How's it going today, Eva? Uh, good. I feel like uh, spring is finally here. It feels very <laughs> springy today. Yeah. I with- want summer to come tomorrow, but the spring is not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll take the the slow stepping into su- into summer. The cool, like long spring, nice cool weather rain and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll be happy with that. Summer, summer's nice, but it can get too hot too fast sometimes. So. Right. Just a reminder, we are in Utah, dear listeners. So we can complain about the summer and the winter. (laughs) (laughs) I do not mind the summer at all, but I will share with you the troubles that we've been encountering at our, uh, plot of land that we own here is we by we i mean i feel bad outing him here but my husband might have busted all the sprinkler valves Mm. so the lawn has been dying and we're first-time homeowners so it's been really fun trying to like gauge how big this issue is do we want to hire somebody and we've been manually watering the lawn and it's all good (laughs) Yeah, this is a very not interesting story, but it's been the center of my universe for the past four weekends. Yeah. And it's been very fun. And this also turned into a community event when all my neighbors, by by that I mean like four or five Mm -hmm. different houses, saw us trying to tinker with the sprinklers and they all came came out and asked, Mm -hmm. oh, what what are you guys up to? What you doing? My name is... Danny and John, whatever. Mm-hmm. And what are you guys up to? Who are you? And then it turned into kind of a block party. It was really nice. I'm not going to lie. Nice. It's really nice to kind of meet people through a problem that they know more about. So, yeah. so yeah, that's good. It's always, it's always good to start meeting neighbors and, and meeting people, even if it's through uh, a terrible, terrible thing like that. Um, I'll, I'll just, like I, I absolutely loathe uh, irrigation and sprinklers and, and stuff like that for, for people. I don't know. I don't know how like widespread this is like in other places, but <laughs> widespread, like a disease. <laughs> well, I, I mean, certainly like in other countries, you, don't, you, you probably don't have like full on irrigation systems in your lawn. I'm assuming. Um, yeah, there, it can be super nice to have like a nice lawn and then to have like the irrigation system uh, to just water your lawn and have that all work when it's working such a pain when it's not like we, we were going through something similar where uh, they'll just break like f- frequently. Like it's not like the stuff that you get for your sprinklers and your irrigation system. It's not like long-term stuff. Like you're, you're constantly maintaining it. And uh, yeah, we had, we started the year, like as soon as the water was pressurized for us, cause we get, irrigation water into ours. So it's, um, 
it doesn't come from like the city water. So they turn it on in the spring. Yeah. So it's, it's actually cheaper, which is awesome. What? It's like, it's like, it's just uber, uber cheap, which I don't know how yours is, but ours. Yeah. It's not treated. It's secondary water. They pressurize it in the spring and then turn it off in the fall, but it costs um, something really inexpensive. It's like a, a hundred, couple hundred dollars for the whole year. Yeah. What does it cost the earth? Just kidding. For for this? Oh no! It's, it it all goes back into the earth. It's it's the water cycle. It's a beautiful thing. Um, um, yeah, but yeah, we started with a similar problem. They pressurized it, and we had leaks everywhere. Not everywhere, but in one place oh. in particular. So I had to dig up a whole bunch of places in our lawn to try and figure out like what was going on. And eventually did. And it was in none of the places I was looking and it was just super frustrating. I can't even tell you how frustrated I was like to have dug up my lawn looking for these leaks only to find it in another place. But anyway, that's the joy of sprinklers and irrigation systems, which we don't like, but that's, I guess, a small complaint for being able to enjoy a nice big lawn, I guess. That's, that's my... So my hope is to replace half my lawn with some sort of ground materials that don't cost any time to maintain. Also don't cost as much water because we just bought this house Yeah, and love the lawn, whatever, but too much, too much of it. I don't need that much grass. What am I going to do with it? Right. Anyways, trying to build a greenhouse at some point, but, um, this is, (laughs) Uh, what, what, what are those lawn podcasts called? Like there, aren't there like podcasts for home maintenance and stuff like oh, that? Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure there's tons. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't really delved into any of those, but I'm sure there's some great ones out there. Okay. We're going to rename our podcast to lawn, lawn talks. Well, yeah, there we go. go. Yeah. This is that episode, but, um, yeah, I feel like this is a first world problem to have for yeah, sure. It probably and is, I just, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I, I'm trying so hard not to tell why the problems happen. <laughs> I, I, you know, I already out at my husband, like busted the valves and stuff, yeah. but he just hooked them out of the yeah. valves. Like that's, yeah. yeah, seemed like a small problem until we found out that some of them had stripped screws so we couldn't open them to replace the parts. And now we're talking about replacing the entire system. Anyways, not the entire system, but the actual thing yep but yeah um so in the past like two weeks people asked me like oh how's wedding planning i'm like let me tell you about my sprinklers (laughs) (laughs) wedding planning is fine it's gonna happen uh which actually needs to happen a lot faster but that's a a second third fourth podcast that we can go into (laughs) yeah uh wedding wedding talks by me but anyways (laughs) so yeah what what what's going on what's new with you uh, gosh, just so, so many things. Um, yeah, we started building a deck this weekend and it, uh, it is going along slowly like most home projects. So like everything, and this, this probably goes into like product development and, and everything, everything <laughs> else that we do. Yeah. It's, you can have all of the plans that you want and like, you know, have a really good idea of what you're doing and you I feel like I always do. Like I, I have everything like really 
like I, a really good understanding of everything that we're going to do. Um, but then once you get into it, there are just the things that you cannot anticipate. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's where we were like the, what should have taken like part of the morning on a Saturday morning, which was to take off the old stairs from the house turned into like the better part of a day because I mean, they had like glued the stairs to the siding of the house. And so like we, I mean, we got everything unscrewed and unbolted and like we're pulling everything off, but then, um, you know, that took longer than it should have. And then like there were hidden screws like under washers and like it was glued on. And so like we were, it was just an absolute mess trying to get these, it was just stairs off of the house. And then we ended up ruining part of the siding. So we had to go get new siding, all of these like unanticipated things that, you know, in your planning, you just really don't take into account because, you know, it should be, you know, this part is just taking off stairs. I've taken off stairs before, you know, it's, it's not a huge (laughs) thing. Um, but there's just unexpected things. Then you have to go to the the hardware store and I have to get new siding and then you have to cut it. Five trips. Yeah. All of those things that even when you're planning for like a few of them, there's just unanticipated things. And that's, why, you know, despite yeah. your plans, uh, you things will always take longer and be more complex than what you are anticipating. And that's what it is with home projects. And it's the same with product development. Oh, gosh, we're getting into like, I mean, this is like this one is of done. my, this is one of my big things with like project <laughs> planning versus like product development is like you can have a a project plan but you cannot like really understand it until you actually get into the the work and at that point like you may have said you know here's our timeline and things like that but like once you're in it things change and like if you're not adaptable then your like your timeline is pointless like you really have to focus on what is it that we're trying to do and are we really accomplishing those important things the important thing isn't necessarily the timeline though that's that's an important component of it but it's not like the most important so like you can't lose sight of all of those things so anyway that's just total soapbox that i did there on my deck Uh and how we started it and it's taking longer than it should and what i had hoped to get done on a saturday we only got a very small portion done but anyway this is probably one of the most relatable, relatable moments on this podcast is everyone going through that, like scoping and then roadmap and then planning for your timeline, you know, all these things in both yeah. professional and personal life, because yeah. literally just did that at work where we're like, we need to expect the, you know, variables and the unknown and how much time do we want to plan for that? But for some reason in my personal life, I don't like doing it like I do work stuff. So I rarely want to sit down and be like, okay, if I wasn't doing it for myself, how would I do it? And that's kind of how Mm -hmm. I would, you know, give advice to other people in their lives and say, plan for the unexpected. But then what, uh, yeah, with the whole sprinkler thing, we're like, yeah, we're going to do it in one morning. Nope. (laughs) Like exactly what you just said doesn't happen in a morning, takes up your whole day and you only have so many weekends before winter comes. So what do you do? How to plan for the unexpected. I need to, I need to really start planning my own life, like work. 
which sounds stressful. <laughs> well, and hopefully, I mean, good on you if your work is is planning like that, because most places don't. I mean, most places are like, you know, we need the dates that you're going to hit all of these things, you know, like here's the quarter, plot out all the dates and and then, you know, like, why aren't you hitting all of these dates that you, you know, that you said three months ago that you'd be able to hit? And it's like, well, like, you know, hold on a second. <laughs> we, we had an idea at that right. this is how it was going to go. But like, once you get into things like the, you know, it changes dramatically. Like you can't, you really just can't right. understand what the intricacies and complexities and dependencies are going to be until you actually start putting this thing together yeah. and how it's going to interact with other parts of the code and how it's going to interact with other yes. applications and user experiences and how people are going to react to it and things like that. And once you start to get that feedback, then you have to just make adjustments. And so to get really wrapped around the axle over a timeline or over date oh, is, axle. yeah, is something that uh, a lot of companies right. and a lot of people, uh, they, they hold on to that yeah. even when, you know, things change and you, you can probably tell, like, I, I woke up this morning thinking a lot about this. So I'll, um, I've written a lot about this topic and there is more to come. Cause this was like huge topic on my mind, which may be why we're talking a little bit about it. Why the deck yep. thing got me started on it today. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, good, good on any company that is, has that mindset and anybody who does have that mindset, because it's like, you really, yes. if you're not adjusting to things, like if you, if you stick to a plan, you know, despite things that are changing, then you're probably missing out on more important things. Like if, I mean, if your plan is an awesome plan and you're able to stick to it and everything goes according to it, then that's awesome. But Chances are teach us how not, to do that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, if it goes hundred percent to the plan, please tell me. Yeah. yeah, chances are it's just not going to though. So that's and that's where you just have to figure out like what's the most important thing. And chances are it's it's not the plan or not the timeline that is going to be the most important thing. Like that's that's just what you have to take into consideration. Is it is that the most important or is it something else that you're trying to do? or to change or to accomplish that's the most important thing and, and make those trade-offs and decisions like the, you know, is it, is it making something better? Is it changing some behavior? Is it driving some sort of metric? Like, are those the important things or right. is it like hitting dates? Like, is that the most important thing? And most of the time I'd say like hitting certain dates is probably not the most important thing. So, yeah. Oh, you heard it here. Um, <laughs> Funny, because right now we're definitely struggling with fitting everything into the timeline at work. And it's been very fun to, you know, try to make it work and not, you know, uh, have bodies along the way where we sacrifice people's happiness and all that. And that is a big topic, not just for me, not just for you, but for everybody. Yeah. Um, this is like the most natural segue I think I'm able to do in the past, like however just long we've been nailed this segue. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, what are we talking about today? Burnout. Uh, and this, yeah, it's a great topic. Uh, what, yeah, what is burnout? How can we identify it? How can we avoid it? And you know, what are, 
and what are the repercussions of it? And so I, it's a great, it is a great segue because, you know, when you get into going along those same lines, when you get into the timeline driven, I've been in this situation, we've probably all been in it, where you get into what uh, one of my teams called like death marches, where you have like this <laughs> timeline of like, here it is, here's what we have to do. A lot of times you'll just be oh, handed that so too. Good. It's like, here's, you know, here's what you have to do. And and this is probably like the absolute worst case scenario. It's like, here's the things that you have to accomplish without much like input into it. And it's like, okay, like there's just no way that we can accomplish this without a death march. And, and people end up just like killing themselves over it. And, you know, you're yeah. working late, no, you know, no breaks or, or time away in order to like accomplish a list of features or, you know, get something delivered or something like that. And that just can be a, depending on the circumstances, I mean, could be like a really awesome thing, or that could be like a real like burnout scenario. Like if, I mean, in one case, if you're like working on something awesome and everybody's bought into it and it's like, yes, you know, we got to get this thing you know, delivered, then you know, that could be a really good scenario on the flip side though. If it's like, you know, every executives or leaders are like, here's the thing you're doing. You got to make it happen. And everybody's like, well, this is, why are we doing this? Like, this is impossible. You know, what, what is the point of this? And they're just like, no, just do it. And then you kind of just go along and it's like, well, the only way we can do this is if we, you know, we work late, uh, you know, we work weekends and, we just, you know, we sacrifice everything to get this done. Right. And, you know, that's the quintessential death march. And then you do it and you deliver it and then only to enter in again to like the next death march. Right. And now you have done it. Do it again. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. It, and that can lead to serious burnout. And I, I have For witnessed sure. that firsthand um, where you just, you get into the cycle of like working, delivering, and then, you know, just kind of this never ending cycle of, of just working without a real motivation or driver or, or purpose behind it. But just because, you know, that's what you have to do in order to just get things done. And that can be super, super demotivating for everybody on a team and for individuals and, for an entire organization too. So yeah, if, if you have that kind of mindset at, at your company, that is a quick way to lead to burnout for everybody. Yeah. And maybe I'm jumping the gun already, but I always think that it comes down to, well, this is not the only cost, but I think in my own experience, the common cost is kind of like what you just mentioned, right? Like over promise and not being able to deliver and everyone kind of <laughs> have to spend those extra hours, days and nights to make it happen. And even, I, I don't know this, I don't know how you feel the same way, but when I first learned about the term crunch for engineering, um, mm -hmm. that has like, I was so shocked that there is a term for it because it's so, does that mean it's so normalized to a point where like, Oh, we're just doing this thing. Oh, we're crunching. Like, mm -hmm. That to me was shocking that, to find out that's a thing. But um, I, I do think from what I've seen, it happens more with engineering side rather than, I guess, design, UX or product management side. It doesn't, I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen for us, but um, 
I, I just see in my personal opinion, uh, personal experience that happens uh, more with engineers. And right now I'm kind of seeing that uh, within my own circle. Um, by the same time, I feel like I'm personally kind of getting a little more stressed than I would like to feel too. Yeah, I I don't like it. Nobody likes it. I would say, I, I don't know. I wish we could all just under promise and then over deliver. <laughs> That's always a better plan in my opinion. But yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. I would definitely prefer that. Um, and that's, I guess it's one of those like hard lines to walk where everybody's looking for, for different things, um, you know, mm-hmm. from like product development uh, teams, you know, you're looking to do one thing, which is hopefully create something awesome, you know, create value for right. users in your business. And then, you know, from other places within an organization, you know, they're looking for different things as well, like how it relates to, you know, how those new things are going to relate to their, their work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just from the kind of the world that we live in, which is a little bit more ambiguous. Um, they're looking for a bit more certainty or a little bit more concreteness on what there is so that they can also have some, some planning and some things around it. And so there's kind of this, uh, tension between what a lot of product development is doing. So product and UX and engineering and what other roles are doing. And that can lead to, some of these, I don't know, difficulties in, you know, what, uh, what one side is looking for versus what another is and who wins that battle is often like a very cultural thing. Like, do you lean much more on the side of embracing some of that uh, ambiguity and understanding that, you know, we have to make adjustments and be flexible as we go, or do you lean much more heavily on the side of like, we are going to embrace certainty even though you can never really have certainty. Like we're, I always feel like it's like, we're going to lie to ourselves and we're going to just say, this is, these are the dates and this is what we're going to do. And then when, when things go right. off the rails, it's just like, <laughs> what happened? Oh that. no. You know, how come we didn't hit these, how come we didn't hit these dates and this timeline and all that stuff. And it's like, we never were going to like, we just, we, we had this plan, which was always, a lie to begin with, but it was like a hopeful lie, but we kind of craved that certainty. And so, uh, whether it's from like other departments or from, from leadership. And so yeah, you have, I don't know, you just have that tension and, and who wins out in some of those battles often determines kind of the, the culture of the organization, whether you're willing to embrace more uncertainty or whether you're, you're going to kind of push hard on like the, really the that timeline and if that's going to push people to kind of to that burnout which as we talk about it i feel like we should probably define it a little bit because it, it's been kind of like an ambiguous term so maybe we should put like a little definition around it which um i found helpful like as as i've talked about it and thought about it so this has come you can add uh, feel free to add to this but the, the the key symptoms that as as I've read about burnout 
um, have really come down to like three key things for me, which are, and, and this, I, I guess I'll step back. So the world health organization, um, added burnout to their, uh, list of diseases and occupational phenomena. So it's not really a disease. It's more of like an occupational phenomenon and they classify it as chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed with three key symptoms. So one is exhaustion, two cynicism and three shame and inefficacy. So I think that having all of those is kind of like a key thing. So it's kind of like this chronic stress, exhaustion, cynicism, and then like shame and inefficacy. So when you have all of that and it's kind of like chronic going on for a long time, then you really have like this occupational phenomenon of burnout, which, you know, I think we all feel like exhaustion from time to time and probably all feel like cynical from time to time too, like in our role, like, how do you measure that? (laughs) And I think it's the chronic part. Like it's, it's ongoing, it's not well-managed. And so like, it's not that you just feel exhausted like today or this week, or you feel cynical in this meeting, because if that was the case, then like, I mean, I feel cynical (laughs) in a lot of meetings. I'm like, is Uh, it a personality (laughs) trait or is it? (laughs) Or like you feel, uh, you know, just like you're being, inefficient or just ineffective in what you're doing. Um, which again, I think is like, we all probably feel some of that at times where, um, you just, you feel like you're not, I mean, there's, gosh, there was a a day last week where I was just, I was not getting stuff done and it was just, it was, it was really bad. And I, I had a ton of stuff to do. I just could not get hardly any of it done. And it was, it was really, really tough, but fortunately it was just like one day was able to bounce back from it. But if you're chronically having all of those things, then like that's, those are probably real signs that you're facing like some serious burnout. Um, even though I was joking about (laughs) cynicism, Oh, is that a personality trait? I definitely was joking about that because I mean, people can be, you know, cynical (laughs) by default. But I think you pointed out the key part being you feeling chronically, you know, skeptical about everybody's, you know, intention of blah, 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 at work like that. The, 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 the chronic part is kind of a key piece to that. And um, it's interesting that they call it the what is that called? An occupational phenomenon yeah. and not a yep. condition. Um, cause I was probably looking at a very similar source to what you're looking at too. And they, you know, the, the term, uh, the term burnout originated, I think 50 years ago in the seventies, mm-hmm. but they have not updated it, uh, from what I know until, you know, recently. And the update that you just mentioned kind of align perfectly with, you know, what we're experiencing as a society in the COVID timeline, um, and I was reading in LinkedIn in their blog post, they quoted uh, this study done by Glint uh, of just a survey of employees experiencing burnout. And in past years um, before COVID era, um, the past two years before then, um, probably I'm guessing, yeah, 2018 to 2019, the number that they were observing averaged at 4.12% of employees saying that they are, you know, burnt out uh, compared to last year, uh, starting in April, it started to rise and 
in August 2020, it went up to 5.41%. And I think it's interesting the timing where, you know, WHO kind of put out that new definition. And I don't know enough to say why they did it during that time and also what the impact really was um, directly because it's a pretty big deal, right? Like the... Yeah, such a big organization, you know, put out that update. So yeah, and and I I also was kind of uh I guess not shocked, but <laughs> it was interested in in understanding why it is an occupational phenomenon, not a hazard. <laughs> <laughs> a phenomenon just kind of made it sound like, oh, you know, the coral reef is doing this thing, you, you know, in Australia. It's sounds more like something that just happens versus something that is uh, something that is caused by organization or, Mm -hmm. you know, have a very direct correlation to what's happening here. And then this, this thing happens. So it's just like the word phenomenon. is very interesting. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I, it's probably one of those, I don't know, still, up and coming things and, and probably as we understand more about it, it'll be, I don't know, it'll be interesting, but it's definitely, um, I, I think one of the important parts is how related it is to work, especially in the context that we're talking about it. And so like, as we talk about solutions too, or like ways to handle it, I think that'll be such a critical part is that um, for me, it's a critical part because work is, part of the problem and it has to be part of the solution too. So like we'll probably touch on that a couple of times is like if, if your company or your organization or your team is like part of this, like in order to, to fix it or make it better, like they also have to be part of the solution in order to, Mm -hmm. to help everybody deal with it. It can't be something that just, individuals or employees deal with on their own though there are things like we can do to handle burnout if you have a like a culture a burnout culture then i mean you you either have to change that or you got to get away from it because that's just it it's not sustainable so and by getting away from it you mean quit and leave do something. Yeah. I, I think, I, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things um, that like when I think about how to handle or like ways to address burnout uh, is like, there are certain companies that and certain cultures and organizations that are just geared in that way that are very much like, we're just going to, to work in like this either yep. death march type of way or you know, we're just gonna not pay attention to um the way that people feel like they need to work or other things like that like they have a very set mindset on what they're going to do and that can be really difficult to change and if that's just not for you either in your company or your specific role. Like, I think there are companies like that. I also think there are specific roles that can be very much like that within organizations or companies, or even within like industries that may not be right for some people that, um, just like product management, for example, I'll use that as an example is 
it, it, it lives within ambiguity. If you mm-hmm. don't like ambiguity, if you don't like constantly living within this set of chaos, then it is not the right role for you. And I've talked with people like that, that are just like, I, I don't deal well with chaos and mm-hmm. like ambiguity, then that's, that's totally fine. Product management is probably not the role for you. And so, um, you know, finding the right. going along with like burnout, like if that type of thing just like really burns you out, then, you know, finding the type of thing that doesn't do that for you, that, that actually has maybe the opposite effect. Like if, if, uh, that sort of thing, like really just lights you up and it's like, man, this is exciting, like solving problems and like, it's just constant challenge, then that that's probably something that would be really good for you. And so like finding the right type of role and then finding the right type of company that can support the way that you work. Um, I've been reading a lot about, uh, Amazon recently and they, they, I mean, they have a very specific way of working and I've worked for Amazon executives before, and it can be, it can be like a real challenge if you're one, if you're not used to that way of working and two, if it's not the way that you're kind of geared to, to work. And so like, they understand that at Amazon, I think like, and not talking, I think, oh, let me take a step back there for a second. I think there's lots of things that Amazon probably should do for a lot of their employees in a lot of places. I'm talking more specifically like on their technical side, like product development, but that aside for like within some of their, their product organizations, which would be what I'm more familiar with that way of working, like is like, it's very, very driven, um, in a certain way. And it can be like a real difficult thing for some people. It can be like a really, uh, awesome thing for others. And so like, if that's the kind of culture you want, then you may, you may find your place at Amazon. If it's not the kind of culture that you thrive in, like that will burn you out fast and is not a great place for you. So anyway, those are like, when it comes to like roles and companies and organizations, like it's a serious thing to understand and think about. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people look at those, you know, big tech companies as like, oh, that's my dream job. And I I used to be one of them too. But the more I have, you know, been with different companies, the more I realize like it's really not about one better than the other, but it's about the fit. Do you want what they offer and vice versa? Right. It's really, it's about that match and, and, that culture, you don't get to choose what culture, you know, they have within the company. If it's something that you don't agree with, like, like Kyle just said, like, it's not going to be, you know, well, first you can't change their culture, just you, one person, (laughs) and you also cannot ask them to change it. Right. And I I like what you said about it dealing with ambiguity, because I think that's probably one of the (laughs) top items, um, where it will happen. And, yeah. If it's not a right fit, don't force it. And there is another place that will fit you better. Uh, that's not to say like you are the problem, but that's definitely just something that you, you know, have the power to say, well, I'm going to walk away from this, this culture. And, and it's not easy, right? Cause we all need to pay rent and <laughs> do all that stuff. Um, and I'm sure in a second, we're going to get into how to 
deal with, you know, that on a personal level. But uh, it's unfortunate that I, I do think the bigger companies, they have a lot more resources and also more ways and people in place and structure to handle those things versus some of the smaller organizations that might not be as aware or they might not look at themselves as, oh, this is a problem happening, you know, to us too. Cause I do feel that sometimes smaller organizations, especially the leaders are so, you know, when, especially startups, right. Sometimes when you're in such a growth phase, there's so much happening. It's some people do, you know, put their people first, but I see some that are more worried about, oh, growing the business. And what does that mean, you know, to that group of leaders that might be different than what you want them to worry about. And it's, yeah, on a personal level, I think we as employees can always do things to resist, but it's not to cure the problems. So that's kind of how I see it personally. Um, I feel like this is getting into like hot takes, but it's not. I feel like it's not that, not that, yeah, uh, hot. But I just, I, I really believe, yeah, it's, it's uh, organizational type problems. So yeah, definitely, and, and there's certainly. So I mean, like the, you can't change a culture. Um, you, you alone, like if you, if you're if you're the CEO or like a high level executive of a small company, like you can have, you can have a lot of influence over a period of time, but like it changing culture is extremely, extremely difficult. So it's, it's a really good point. Um, but there are things that like we can do as employees to, to identify burnout as it's happening. And then to like, to take steps to, address it and avoid it. And, and I think one of those really is like finding the right fit, both in, in role and organization and team and company. And it's, that can be, I mean, that's like a bigger challenge, which, but it's an important one because there are, I think there are some places and roles that are just better for certain people and others that aren't. And so like finding that right thing is, is really important and just understanding when the fit isn't there and whether that's the role or like the team or the company and being able to identify that and be reflective enough to understand that and then like take steps to make the right changes is is super important but within within that too i think that like there are other things like that we can do too like we just it kind of sounds like a little cliche almost but <laughs> i think it's super important to uh, there's a couple things I think are super important, but like taking, like taking taking breaks. This sounds it sounds stupid, but it sounds no, but it's it so doesn't. important. It shouldn't sound um, stupid and boring. And yeah. and this is one that so we we were just up in. Um, uh, I think this is important, like at a couple different levels. So, like one taking breaks like during the day, uh, because I think it's easy to get burned out like intraday. Uh, so like actually stepping away from the computer and like taking a walk, which is something I'm a huge fan of. I, I started doing this years ago, like going and walking around the parking lot, like when we're actually in offices and just like taking a break during the day to like collect my thoughts and like get some air 
in the parking lot or in other places. Like if you can, if you have a better place to go, like take a break. Now it's nice because it's like go walk around the neighborhood now that it's like spring and, and that sort of stuff. But, um, doing that is, I don't know, it's like super, uh, rejuvenating, like during the day. Stepping yeah. away for a second yeah. to organize, recenter. Yeah, because it, it recenter is a very yogi term. I feel like, but <laughs> I do think it applies. Yeah, yeah. It's it's easy to to just get burned out, like during the day when it's just constant work all day long. Even even at home, you know, um, without like actually taking some time away, and then like doing the same during the week, and then like actual vacations too. Like we just went up to Yellowstone this past week and it was like the first break break um, I've taken this year, which is, should probably take more, like take my own advice and actually take more. <laughs> but um, I was, <laughs> I, and I, I, I was talking to a friend um, on the way up and he was, he was actually talking about doing the same thing, actually taking a break. So shout out to a mutual friend, um, of ours and of the show. Uh, we'll see if he listens to this episode and, and if he gives us a shout out back, but who was saying the same thing, like that, uh, he, he needed to take a break and was just going to like literally take some time off and not do anything, but just like take time off because he was like starting to feel burnt out too. Like we're having kind of almost a similar conversation right. and so important because to, to like actually get away for like a longer period of time and uh, not, I don't know, not, not be so focused all the time on just work, Yeah. which given like our pandemic, I feel like the lines between work and personal, they've, they've just mm. like, there's more flexibility, but it's also gotten a lot blurrier too. And yeah, so the like, distance is shortened. It's yeah. more like you're working and you're at home and a lot of people are working from home, right? That yeah. line's definitely, that line's blurred, like you said, and but even, I mean, now I started going back to the office um, recently and it feels like the, yeah, again, the distance between life and and, and work life, <laughs> it's been shortened for some yep. reason. Um, so yeah, I see what you're saying. Sorry, continue. Kind of cut you off there. Yeah, no. And just like actually getting, getting away and like, uh, I like to, I, I like to gauge it in and I didn't forget my passwords, but like how close do you come to forgetting your work passwords? Like by the time you get back, like, <laughs> if you totally forget them, then that was like a long enough break away from, from actual work to, to like mentally disengage and then come back. Like that's, that's a good time period. So that's like super important. Um, in my mind anyway. Put this there is that that means you need also a password manager. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing that, but <laughs> I, I see what you're saying though. Like once you have to kind of like, you know, when you're back at work and sit down, be like, okay, now you know I'm ready to pick it back up. That that's a yeah. good indication. <laughs> but um, password manager, Kyle, <laughs> need one of those. Um, well, I might give a shout out to to the one I use uh, at the end of this episode, actually. Um, anyway, but yeah, I, I like what you're saying. And I think that's, uh, but that also goes back to when we talk about an unreasonable timeline, that's also the hardest thing to do. Yeah. So that's why at the beginning I was like, oh, that's not silly. That's something we should all be yeah. able to do. But at the same time, it goes back to 
the cause of the problem sometimes is not something that we you know get to control and then getting away from that whatever scale you can do that like let it be walking away for five minutes going on a walk during the day even if you cannot you know take a trip to go to Yellowstone right like make sure you walk away in a way that works for you without you know again just just without saying oh well I can't do that small thing so let's just not do anything you know even though you can't go on a trip go walk around the pond or whatever that's what I used to do (laughs) at work and so I really like that and Man, it's so hard, but I'm excited. Next week, I am walking away to go out of town for a couple of days. And also right now, it's a good time because everyone's getting vaccinated. Everyone's kind of more ready to go outside and interact again. Um, the weather's getting better. So yeah, take a drive. I, I, to me, taking a drive is very therapeutic. Yeah. Do you like doing that? Taking a drive? Yeah, I do. No, my, uh, my wife absolutely loves it. So, um, and she, she grew up where you had to drive anywhere to like, to get somewhere yet. I mean, the store was like a 30 minute drive. And so like that was, so yeah, road trips and drives and things like that. That's definitely her, her thing too. So I feel like your enthusiasm to saying yes to the drive was like about five out of 10 than what I've seen you. Walks for me, like walking is my thing. Like if I'm going to, I just, I I really, I I dig a good, like a good walk. Cause that for me is like really good thinking time. And it's like a little bit of exercise. So if I'm choosing, I'm going to choose to like go for a walk so I can like, I don't know. It's kind of the same as a drive. I, I enjoy drives, but more like, uh, I don't get the exercise, like, you know, get out and get some so movement. Healthy. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, luckily we're in Utah, so I like driving into the mountains and just yeah. be like away from people, away from everything. But yeah. Yep. Driving's good. Definitely. Um, I think another important thing for me is like finding the, like the why in what you're doing and like really having a good reason. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm huge on like, why are we doing the things that we're doing? And like really understanding that I was actually listening to another podcast that kind of got into this. And there was a story about a teacher who was working, uh, she was getting burnt out too, which I think teaching is probably a role that you can mm. get burnt out in, um, super fast. Uh, she was teaching high school and, uh, at, I think like an inner city high school or something like that. And so she was trying to get these underperforming students ready for college and was just failing at it. Like it was, so she was putting in a ton of extra time, uh, trying to get her students like ready for college, passing high school and things like that. Um, and was just really, really struggling and getting burnt out. And, and at that point she decided (laughs) to start mentoring students on the weekend, which is just like totally like you're getting burnt out. And so you're going to like add something on the weekend, but that, it turned out for her like that was like the saving grace of everything that she was doing because it it like solidified the why she was doing it and helped her get back to it's yeah. not just like constant churning and constant work it's like helping individual students succeed and like so she started this mentoring program and like it really helped her almost recenter again on like why am i doing this like and helped her find her love for teaching, which like helped again, drive her back to like, I can do this. Like I'm not, 
I'm not burning out. I actually love what I'm doing and, and, and that sort of thing. So like it finding the, the why and finding like Mm -hmm. the wins that we can actually celebrate along the way. And it's like, okay, why are we like, why are we doing this thing? Which that gets back to the point that we were kind of making earlier. Like if you're just handed a list of things to do (laughs) and it's like, here's your list, like, and here's your, the date you have to do it by that becomes very, very difficult because it's like, why are we doing this other than like, we were, we've been handed a list and it's our job and it's very disempowering to be like, okay, well, you know, now we have to work nights and weekends in order to get this list of things done. Like that's just, that's really terrible as opposed to like, here's a real problem to solve that like we have discovered and like we want to change this. We want to make this thing better. Working really hard and working long to solve that problem and then finding success in it. Like that's it. Those two things might look the same from the outside. Like you're working hard, you're working long, but they have like really different intrinsic motivation behind it. Like one, you're like intrinsically motivated and the other is just like you're being pushed from the outside. And so like the burnout rate on one versus the other is going to be like really high versus really low. So finding ways both as a team to say like, okay, this is why we're doing it. And as a team and an, and an individual, like this is why I'm doing it. This is why we're doing the things that we're doing. And as a leader, like finding ways to say, you know, we can't just hand people stuff to do and be like, this is, this is your thing. This is your job. Just do it. Finding ways to say like, here's, the things that we need to do as a company, like here's the problems to solve, you know, go solve them. We're not going to like hand you a list of things to do. Like we we need you to come up with that list to solve these problems. And like, those are just really different models of working. One of them, I think really motivates people. One of them disempowers people and burns them out. So like choosing which way you're going to do it, I think is, a huge cultural thing and a huge, like one's really empowering and exciting to work for. One is the kind of place where you'll burn out. There's a theme that I think is, is kind of showing, um, from what you have talked about and what I've talked about. And maybe this is a good time for me to bring up this study, uh, done by Gallup. Uh, they have done a burnout study of what are the causes, you know, common causes of burnout amounts, uh, amongst, um, workers and, and here are five factors that are (laughs) the most highly correlated with burnout. Are you ready for them? Yeah. Okay. First, unfair, unfair treatment at work. (laughs) Number two, unmanageable workload. Number three, lack of role, uh, clarity. Number four, lack of communication and support from manager. Number five, unreasonable time pressure. Um, so I think all of these reasons are very tangible to all of us in different ways. And going back to what I mentioned earlier is that being burnt out, it's not something that is caused by, you know, you individually, right? Like, cause you didn't come up with the timeline yourself at work and it's as a company, the, what the culture, what the company can offer you should not, you know, take away your personal time from your family and all these things. And by having an unreasonable timeline and all these, you know, uh, demand in place, it kind of creates a situation where it leads to workers feeling burnt out. Right. Um, and, and 
I think it's very interesting that all five of these causes from that study all point to, again, organizations, not on the individual level. And I, I think everything that we've talked about kind of circled back to, to, to that point. And these things that we as you know employees are able to do, sometimes my, again, not be able to just <laughs> completely remove all these causes. You're just resisting, you know, kind of, uh, putting a bandaid on this situation. Right. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but there's one thing that has been helpful for me personally. Um, this is actually something that my personal trainer has <laughs> taught me, which is surprise, like a surprising source of, uh, dealing with burnout, uh, is to put down on your calendar when you're going to stop working, mm -hmm. literally just set an event on your calendar and say, this is the time that I'm going home. Um, and just stop that from, you know, spilling over to your personal life it, it has been very helpful for me. And I, I think this, uh, can be very good for, I don't know, for, for, for anybody to try it out if you can. And, because I mean, sometimes you have to work until seven, but then you say seven is a cutoff time or seven thirty, whatever it is, right? But yeah, I I have been enjoying that a lot. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, I'm gonna be done. At least I can get some sleep. I think sleep yeah. also is one thing that can help you to stay away from feeling that that cynicism <laughs> <laughs> uh, more too, and of course the exhaustion part of it too. So time boxing when you're actually going to, you know work when you're actually clocking out. <laughs> I think that's one blessing and one curse from being salaried employee is that you are constantly giving. And sometimes the overtime is just, it's it just overtime. Right. Yep. And kept that to a point where you can get some sleep. So that's kind of, yeah, what I've learned. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing is, is, um, where possible, like taking as much control of like that time and those of your day and your schedule, um, as you can like that. I, I think we've talked about it here. Like I'm, I'm such a huge proponent of like blocking out, especially time, like during the day. And then like, yeah. like you said, like having an end time to like when you're absolutely done and then like actually being done. Um, and I think that that can be, uh, like as flexible as need be. Like, I think, especially going, you know, the way we've been and going forward, you know, schedules can and should be, you know, flexible to people's needs. Like if it's, um, you know, mornings and then like personal time, like during the day and then like, you know, whatever the work schedule needs to be, but then like actually setting it and being like, this is work time and this is not work time. And within that work time too, being very much like this is meeting time because a lot of, I feel like a lot of what happens is like the day gets filled up with meetings and then a lot of the spillover is just like, all right, now I have to get my actual work done. And that takes place like, you know, later in the day, in the evenings and, and stuff like that. And so like actually trying to take back control of the, the time during the day. So it's not just like constant time spent either in meetings or just like context switching and going back and forth over stuff, but actually saying, here's the time that I'm going to be working on these different things so that I can actually accomplish meaningful stuff as yep. opposed to just like, you know, constantly thrashing over like 
here's meetings and here's urgent requests and stuff like that so that it's you're actually in control of what you're doing as opposed to like just being like thrashed about and then you know it gets to be late in the evening and you're like oh man i'm still working like what am i doing right um i like that you mentioned the the dedicated time to kind of like full turbo during that time right basically um how how uh, can i ask like how many hours of meetings you have per week just ballpark um that's a good question it's actually come down significantly i feel like i've gotten a pretty good handle on it and we've like been putting it yeah it's been it's been surprisingly good even my wife has commented on it like that my meetings have gone down quite a bit lately so it's i don't know probably on any given week like maybe a quarter or a third of my time is meetings so it's uh it's which has been unusually nice because it used to be (laughs) it used to be flipped like a quarter of my time was like out of meetings um oh wow yeah and so that's been that's probably just been a huge huge benefit yeah so it can go up from there but i mean like on a i see on a like slower nice normal week probably i don't know probably about a third of my time which that yeah, yeah it's great I think the, from all the, you know, people in product management that I know, uh, everyone's schedule is so different. And for example, my husband, who's also a product manager, his schedule is literally 90% meetings, yep. which is kind of insane to me. And, and, um, I mean, he does block out time to get things done to where you are saying, you know, a third of your time is meeting. And, uh, and I know someone who's kind of in the middle, uh, half and half, yep. um, I think it's interesting. And, and, oh, we haven't even brought up the zoom fatigue syndrome (laughs) where you're way too tired from being on zoom, staring at a screen, being in meetings with people where you're, by the time you get to doing your own work that you have to do yourself, like you're already tired and exhausted. Right. Do you feel that? I was feeling it for sure. And so it's, uh, some of our meetings too, we've switched to being, and and this is like just cultural, like to just being audio only. So, um, you know, we're, you don't even have to be like on screen, which is nice. Cause then, um, you, oh, nice. yeah. So it's not, you're not like constantly on screen all the time, uh, which has been good, but definitely was feeling that before, uh, where it's just, I, I think, I don't know. I think everybody's like for a while was really trying to fill out like, cultural norms and like zoom norms and stuff like that. And it was just like really, really difficult because it was like all zoom all the time. And now I don't know, at least for me, I feel like it's normalized quite a bit more to where, you know, kind of like we're saying a third of my time is like regularly scheduled stuff. And then that probably goes up to just ad hoc, you know, yeah, 50% on any given week of, you know, right meetings and things like that. And then like the rest of the time, other stuff. But yeah, I think I was feeling that zoom fatigue, probably just like everybody else, like being just on zoom or on video conferences, like all the time and then not being able to like do anything else. Cause you're just like constantly like looking at your screen and being on camera. It's, I know it's just like, it's like being on a show all day long or something. It's like, <laughs> this is just really, really strange and 
and difficult because even then yeah. like meetings in an office like it wasn't the same like you didn't have everybody like literally sitting in front of you in every way like where you were all right. looking at each other and so it's like a, so interesting. a meeting is like became like a very different thing and you had to like figure out yeah. what's the you know what what are the the norms of these all these different types of meetings but it's i don't know i'm sure lots of people still are feeling it and haven't like settled on the norms and stuff but I, I don't know i feel i'm probably fortunate where things have settled quite a bit for me yeah and it depends on the culture of how your team functions right because yeah. i am fortunate enough to be on a team where if i block out certain time because i myself want to have all my meetings kind of back to back i do not like it when i have like oh half an hour in between two meetings like <laughs> what am I going to do in the, you know, half an hour? There are little things you can do, but at the same time, like the less context switching, the better. Right. Um, so yeah, I tried to block up my time and I think I'm lucky that I'm looking at my, this coming week, I might have like five, six hours of meetings in total, uh, yeah. for the whole week, which I'm like, yes, let's keep it the way yep. this way all yep. the time. Um, but yeah, I, I would say too, like, if you are able to definitely try to, schedule a time, you know, and, and, and say, this is my work time and block it out. And if somebody wants to schedule a meeting, just tell them, Hey, I would like to, you know, if you can schedule a meeting after my three o'clock or whatever, so that you can kind of take control a little bit of your schedule too. Cause it's so hard. And I know of course there are meetings that you don't get to control, like the monthly staff <laughs> meeting, you don't get to control that yeah. right. Town hall or anything. But I, I, I would say that like a lot of companies and a lot of, uh, employees, just your colleagues too. I, I, from what I've seen, I mean, in my own experience and, uh, from what, you know, in my circle people have mentioned is that everybody's going through the same thing. Everyone is trying to be empathetic to everybody. So if you feel like you can make that ask and say, Hey, can we move that meeting later or however, you know, works out better for you. And yeah, take control of your schedule if you can. But again, I, Again, I, I still want to, uh, if, if there's any <laughs> startup or any leader leadership position listening, yeah, I, I'm sure you want your family time too. And let's, let's all try to make it happen and not get everyone all burnt out along the way <laughs> doing great things. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. And I think that's probably... I, maybe one of the last points is like, as, as leaders and as like organizations, like we, we really should have that as an important part of, of what we're doing and to make sure that like employees aren't getting burnt out because I mean, ultimately, um, a burnt out employee, like, like we were talking about, like somebody who's chronically stressed, exhausted, cynical, and Cynical. ineffective, like <laughs> yeah. literally the, the symptoms of burnout is going to not be very good at what they're doing. Right. And so like how to encourage them to do some of these things to like, you know, take a break to, uh, to, you know, find, um, to find the things that, uh, are working for them to empower them to do good work and to power, empower their, like the team's to have autonomy to solve difficult problems and then to have, you know, to encourage people to like speak up and make sure that they're not like, Oh, they're not 
chronically overwhelmed and getting burnt out because I mean, that's like, uh, employee turnover is, I mean, that's just so costly to an organization and to a team that it takes so long to recover from something like that for, I mean, I think you can be, uh, just overly, and I've seen organizations that are just, um, they don't give that the proper respect of, uh, of how much, how difficult it is for teams and people to recover from losing an individual or losing somebody and just expect like everybody to kind of pick up the weight. I mean, it can be really, really difficult to shoulder that burden. And then as that kind of goes on, like more and more people just get burnt out and eventually like you hit a critical point of like, where are you just going to completely lose the ability to do anything valuable for your business and for your customers? So balancing all of those things, like it's a hard thing as a leader and as an organization, but you know, putting the right uh, mechanisms in place to make sure that, you know, people, your, your people aren't getting burnt out and they're, they are able to like openly talk about, like what challenges they're facing and if they're, and, and they're able to like take an actual break. Like it's not just constant death marches until people are like, I'm done. I have to go find somewhere else to work because I can't take a break and that sort of thing. For sure. And when I just said dominoes, I feel like I was, I was, it sounded like I was calling out the pizza place, (laughs) but I, what I meant was definitely the domino effect of, you know, one person is out and now everyone has to take on the load, like you said. And then that other, you know, the rest of the, the team is now burnt out because of that. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely not calling out the pizza chain <laughs> sponsor us. Um, <laughs> anyways, so yeah, I, I, I agree. And I look forward to my trip next week <laughs> to get away for a little bit. Um, but I, I would really like to know what's going on with, with, with you. Um, Listener, tweet at us. Are you burnt out? Where are you at? Are you stressed? But um, I hope that we're all able to get out. I mean, right now, I feel like we're all coming out of the COVID timeline. And now is the time where everyone's finding the new normal, like the new, new normal after, you know, everyone, uh, by everyone, I mean, most of us are getting, you know, vaccinated and, and, and what that looks like. It's going to change a little bit too. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting and hopefully everyone's just getting less stressed, not more stressed. So yeah. Anything you want to add? No, it's good. Awesome. And now it's time for me to circle back to my password manager comment to give my shout out. Shout out. I'm I'm swapping my original shout out to my password manager. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, so pr- product shout out, um, mine is I use, let's see, I've used two password managers in the past. Um, my choice is called one password seven. I really don't know why they call it one password seven. Um, but I have used, uh, what is the other one? Oh, man, the other one it's, it has like the red branding. Hold on. Let me Google that really quick. The other one I don't like as much. Oh, last pass. That's last the pass, other one yep. that I didn't like. Um, but one password seven has been so great. I keep all my passwords in there and I only need to know my master password and everything is secured and I don't have to 
try to remember anything, which is great. And that's it. I had to swap, swap all my original ones. So now that's all that I am prepared to, to talk about with <laughs> this new shout out. Nice. All right. Cool. Well, I will, uh, I'll give a shout out, uh, going along the lines of, uh, our sprinkler and irrigation talk to, uh, <laughs> beehive, which is smart irrigation, like control. So I switched over our, like all of our stuff. Uh, you know, we had what? the original, which is like manual controls and timers and stuff that were installed when they built a house, uh, like four years ago or whatever, um, immediately like switched over to beehive, which is a smart sprinkler control system, which you can like has an app. You can control it from your phone and stuff. Just awesome. Absolutely love it. Um, my parents are about to like install theirs and everything. So like, I'm, I'm just like super pumped about it. I've been using it for a long time. Cause I mean, so you can control everything from your huh. phone. So you can go out to like your yard and like test things without like going back and forth to your control box and like turning things on and off, which is super awesome. It has like rain delays. So if like it's raining, like it is right now, it automatically knows that and like can delay my sprinklers so they don't come on for like a few days after the rain and stuff like that. So it's awesome. Love it. So I'll give hmm. a, yeah, give a shout out. I to- think I'm looking at it. I just uh, Googled it and it's B B dash H Y V E. That's it. Right. Yep. What a name. Yeah. We should do an episode on products that are just like, <laughs> uh, either with crazy spelling or crazy, you know, pronunciation uh yeah. nowadays i feel like there are a lot of them i uh, did not it, much beehive was not what i was thinking uh, like when i first yeah. saw the spelling yep no that makes That's sense awesome. yeah yeah it, if you haven't got one of those installed i would definitely suggest it it's totally yeah. totally worth it super easy and then you can control everything from your phone so you, you don't ever have to go to your actual control box to control your sprinklers and irrigation you can just do it all from your phone which i I totally love. Does it fix my broken hardware in my sprinkler no. system? Oh, no, no broken. Then that's <laughs> fixes no broken hardware. Unfortunately, that's all up to you. But you, it'll be easy to test once you fix your hardware. You can just literally pull out your phone and tap it and make sure that, that it's true. working. So you don't have to go back and forth. Which is awesome. Uh, how did you know that's what we did? <laughs> Cause I have, I have been there and I know exactly how the testing phase goes of installing and walking back and forth to each of the things and testing it. And it's just a huge pain. It was so fun. Just like, Hey, Hey, try it now. Try it now. Yep. And then if it's it's not, it's on. And then if it's not working or you have like a pipe that explodes, which I've had, which the shouting of turn it off, turn it off. And it's that sort of stuff. So, yep. That's the home ownership flavors that i like yeah. the chaos the small chaos not the yeah pipe bursting but yeah sweet that's it that's it anything else no that'll that'll do all right you guys um keep listening and i, I just had this thought too i was thinking like oh, one day this podcast is gonna, is gonna get so big and then i was like mm, maybe i don't want it to get so big because then we'll have to really really i don't know like think a lot about what we were saying on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you feel that way? Do you have that worry? That it's just going to be so huge. I, I have that worry about everything I do that one day it's just <laughs> going to be so big and we're going to, everything's going to be just so famous that, um, can't handle the, they can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always, well, in the, always in the back of my mind. <laughs> I think that I think you 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 can handle it. I don't know if I can. I hope that happens to you because I think you're you're hustling. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, everyone go subscribe to Kyle's newsletter. So there's that. All right, do it. The end. All right. Oh, yep. Do it. And the end. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> See. Ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prodbydesign. That's at prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. And you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yan Chow Chow. See you next time. <laughs>